me in the gospel according to Mark. Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. If you haven't been here with us before, let me tell you that we every Sunday we preach through a book of the Bible, through every chapter, to every verse. So we have been studying and preaching through the book of Mark for a while now, about 46 weeks. And today we find ourselves in this passage on verse... 17 through verse 22 where we meet with this rich young ruler and his thoughts about eternal life and about obeying God. So as we read Mark 10 verses 17 through 22 let me remind you that the word of God is infallible and it has authority over your life as a Christian. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was said at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possession let us pray now father help us this morning by sending your holy spirit to convince us of sin and unrighteousness to show us our own sinful hearts your holiness and our desperate need for christ For in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. There is an invisible enemy with us this morning. This enemy attacks all kinds of people, young, old, healthy, or with poor habits, poor or wealthy, educated or ignorant. Often this enemy comes very 
quietly, not making any announcement of its presence. But suddenly, it takes away the lives of people that we love. Perhaps you know someone that you love who has been defeated by the silent enemy named cancer, don't you? The text this morning is about a man claiming that all his life was marked by spiritual health without knowing that there was a cancer in him, a terrible disease that, like cancer, was destroying him from the inside out. The name of this disease is sin. The sin of self-righteousness. So as we approach this text this morning, I want you, Christian, I want you, my friend, to see that the way of eternal life is not found in your own righteousness, but by trusting in Christ alone for our salvation. I want you, Christian, to see that there is nothing that you can do in your life to save yourself. You are saved by faith in Christ alone. So as we come to this text, we have seen Jesus talking about marriage. Jesus talking about children and the kingdom of God and how they're important for the kingdom of God. And now he comes with this teaching about works, about the importance of faith and eternal life for us. And he is before this young ruler, as we are told in the gospel of Luke, this man that's approaching Jesus, he's a ruler in Israel. He's probably one of the leaders in the local synagogues. He's probably one of the ones who rule over the people of Israel. And what is amazing about this and about this man is that it was not something common in Israel to have somebody who was young ruling the older people. As a matter of fact, the younger was looked down because he did not have the experience of the older and he did not have, did not have the ability to rule over God's people. So it's striking the fact that this young man is a ruler in Israel. But what is more striking is the question that he presents to the Lord Jesus. Which is the most important question that anyone can ask in his life. How can I be saved? How shall I inherit eternal life? You see the magnitude of this question is based on the answer for this question. How can one have eternal life? What does it mean to have eternal life? It means to understand that this life that we have right now is going to pass really fast. 
But there is a life that comes after that. A life who is never going to end. So every time that we look at the Bible and we see Jesus talking about eternal life. He's talking about a fellowship, a life that we are going to have with God for all eternity without end. A fellowship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. In a place where there will be no more disease, no more cancer, no more crying. But we are all going to be together knowing God and seeing Him face to face. So this young man, he has this feeling and this curiosity about what happens next. How can I be sure that when my life ends here, I will be with God. I will spend the eternal life with Him. And what we are going to see in this text is that this man who asks this important question, he has a problem of self-righteousness. And why is self-righteousness a problem? Because it makes us blind. See, the first thing that we find in this text from verse 17 to 20 is this problem of self-righteousness that makes us blind. It makes us blind in how we see God. You see, that's clear here in this text by the way that this man is referring to Jesus. He calls him good teacher. And see, look how Jesus, he answers him. He says on verse 18, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. Now what is Jesus saying here? Is Jesus saying that God alone is good and therefore not God? That's not what the text is saying. But what Jesus is saying here is that if you think that I'm only a teacher, you are using this word good in a thoughtless and superficial way. Even for Jesus' own time to use this word good to refer to someone was considered a blasphemy, was well understood by the Israelites that only God is fully and ultimately good. So they would avoid to use that word to refer to anything. The Jews, they knew their Old Testament. They knew their Bible. They, they read in Psalm 53 saying that there is no one who does good. Or Psalm 16, no one does good. They understood that the Bible refer, use this word good and refer to God as the good one. The one who in himself is good and he never ceases to be good. But because this man is being blind by his self-righteousness, he cannot see God in a correct way. And the self-righteous person, he always has a distorted 
view of God. He doesn't understand his place as a creature and God as the creator. He doesn't understand that God is holy and he's not holy, he's unclean. He thinks that him and God, because he does good things in his mind, because he's self-righteous, they're on the same level. So self-righteousness blinds us towards God. But also make us blind in the way that we see ourselves. Look how Jesus answers this man's question. I hope, I hope you have a Bible with you so you can follow up with what I'm saying here. But look at your text and see on verse 19 how Jesus answers him. He answers him by preaching the law. Now that is surprising, isn't it? Maybe we would expect Jesus saying, Oh, you just need to follow me. You just need to trust in me. But Jesus answers him by preaching the law. And why is Jesus doing that? How is the law useful to bring man to understand what salvation is? So the law is used by Jesus and in many other places in the Bible to expose our sin. To make us to understand that we don't have anything that deserves to be saved in us. That's why Paul, he writes to the Romans in chapter 7, verse 7. He says, I would not have known sin expect, except through the law. So Jesus is bringing, preaching the law to this man to expose his sins. Look, have you never bared false witness? You never lied in your life? Have you never lost in your heart? Have you never hated your brother? Have you never defrauded someone? Jesus is trying to raise in his mind and bring him to the knowledge that he is not righteous, that he's a sinful person like everybody else. But look at his response on verse 20. We would expect this man to confess, yes, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, I confess my sins. But instead, he answers on verse 20, said, I have kept all these things since from my youth. In other words, he's saying, my hope of eternal life is in me. I can save myself. I have obeyed the law completely since I was a youth. And what is the problem with that? The problem with this statement is that this man is lying. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 that if anyone claims that he has no sin, he makes himself a liar. Jesus himself, he says on John 7, 19, did Moses give you the law? Yet you do not keep the law. You see, the sin of self-righteousness is a sin that is, is very perceptive in the church. Let me help you to see this, to see this sin probably in your, your own life or in the life of people around you. The person who claims to be self-righteous is a person that usually, instead of receiving and having pleasure 
on receiving instruction, he rejects instruction. He's not ready to obey God and be a Christian on God's terms. He wants God to be on his terms. He's always going to reject instruction. Another characteristic of a self-righteous person is that they like to list all their good works. Instead of doing good works for the glory of Christ and keeping that in secret and silence because they're doing that for Christ, the self-righteous person, he likes to list them. He likes to turn to you and say, hey, I read 10 chapters of the Bible this week. I have read my Bible five times this year. I prayed so much. I go to church so much. They always like to boast about the things they're doing, forgetting themselves that the Bible says in Isaiah 64 that all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Another characteristic of the self-righteous person is that they talk back to God. When they're confronted with Scripture and the Word of God, instead of submitting to it, they say, this doesn't apply to me. It's not for me. Another characteristic of the self-righteous person is that they think they are too important instead of humbling themselves by the knowledge that they are saved by Christ through Christ they think they are very important a friend of mine told me a couple weeks ago that somebody left his church because they wanted to be a teacher nobody in the church thought they should be a teacher that person should be a teacher so he thought that he was, he was so important and so knowledgeable that if that church wasn't going to make him a teacher, he left the church. The self-righteous person thinks that they are too important. Another characteristic of a self-righteous person is that they don't like sinners. They want to hang out and have fellowship with people like mine. People that think that they're very important. People that share the same self-righteousness convictions as they do. They don't like sinners. They're eager to fellowship with people like them. But that's not what the Bible teaches. We love sinners. We help sinners. We preach the Bible to sinners. Another characteristic of the self-righteous person is that they think that what makes them a Christian are their works. I do this, I pray every day, I read my Bible every day, I go to church every Sunday, I go to the prayer meeting, therefore I am a Christian. But that's not the logical sense that we find in Scripture. What we find in Scripture is, I'm a Christian because God saved me, Therefore, I'm going to dedicate my life to Him. I want to learn about Him. I want to pray. I want to have a relationship with Him. I want to grow in my knowledge of Christ because Christ has done all things for me. So we are saved. Not because of our works, but because of the works of Christ. Finally, the self-righteous person. They can never see their own sins. They love to convict others of their sins. 
but they are not never convicted of their own sins. They never see anything wrong with them. They're always right about everything. And they never sin. What is the problem with all of that? What is the problem with a person thinking like this? And acting this way? The problem is that it removes Christ from our lives. If I can save myself, if I am self-righteous, Christ profits us nothing. As long as we think that we can keep the law of God perfectly, Christ profits us nothing. Another problem with that is that it makes the death of Christ in vain. Remember what Paul says in Galatians 2.21, For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Another problem of thinking like that is that it makes no need for a Savior. If I can obey God perfectly, if I can do all things perfectly, why do I need to be saved? Saved from what? You're perfect. Another problem with that is that there is no need for atonement. There is no need for great, the great exchange. There is no need for the sinless to die for the sinful one. You see, Christians, you and I, we are masters of self-deception. We read a text like this, so clear. And the first thing that comes to our mind is, this is talking about something else. This is talking about somebody else. But it's not, it's talking about each one of us. That's who we are. We think in those terms. And like a cancer, the self-righteous person will destroy himself and his faith. What do we do? The only thing that we can do, which is to cry out to the Lord. Ask, asking Him to remove the blindness of our eyes. To give us deep conviction of sin. You see, the Apostle Paul, he was treating a church that had a similar problem going on. This cancer of self-righteousness. And he turns to the church of the Galatians. He writes to them and, say, and says on chapter 2, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Isn't that what we all need to learn? And be reminded every Sunday, every day, that all of our salvation, it's because of the work of Christ, not our own work. But what is the solution for self-righteousness? See on verse 21 and verse 22... We see that this man, he was loved by Christ. When Christ sees him, he looks at him and he has compassion. Compassion on somebody who has been so self-deceived. 
And Jesus tells him, you need to take a course of action. Your life can't be like this anymore. And Jesus gives him three things that he needs to do in order to find healing. You see, Jesus asks him in verse 21, not ask him, he says to him, what one thing you lack? And what does he lack? The same thing that every self-righteous person lacks. Ultimately, he lacks to trust in God for salvation. He trusts more in what he has. And Jesus sees that clear in his heart and tells him, sell everything. Jesus requiring every Christian to sell everything that he has. No, that's not what the text is saying. But Jesus is requiring every Christian and this young ruler complete confidence and self-surrender. If this man, he really wants to know God, if he really wants to inherit eternal life, Jesus is saying, sell everything that you have. Give everything to the poor and come back to me. Jesus is required from him to trust in him alone for salvation. To trust in him and completely. And Jesus is saying, by doing that and by trusting me completely, by selling everything and come back in here and trusting your life to me, you will have treasure in heaven. This will heal your blindness towards God. If you do this, there is only one. You see that there is only one who is good and righteous. As 1 John 2, 1 says, Jesus Christ is the righteous person. And it's only by trusting Jesus that one can do what Jesus tells this man to do. Which is to come to him and take up the cross. Only after one starts seeing God as he is, the good one, not just a teacher, but the one who is good in and of himself. Only when we start seeing this and understanding God in that way, one can come to Jesus and take up the cross. Take up the cross means to deny ourselves. Take up the cross means to repent of our self-righteous, self-inflated, self-loving, self-serving nature. You see, the man who learns how to trust in Jesus is not concerned only about himself anymore. He comes to Christ as a poor sinner, knowing that there is nothing at all in him, but Jesus Christ is all in all. To trust in Jesus means that we must repent of our sins. 
that we must deny our self, flesh, and sinful desires. To take up the cross means that we understand that there is nothing in life more important than Jesus Christ. But the call to repent comes together with another call that's never separate from repenting, which is the call to follow Jesus, to come after him, to believe in him. You see the word here in the original language of the Greek give us this idea that to follow Jesus is not a single act of our life, but it's a continual act. We follow him every day of our lives, not only on Sunday, not only on Monday, but every single day of our lives we are following him. We want to live our lives for the glory of Christ. We do all things for his glory, not our own glory. We are not concerned about our own self-righteousness, but with the righteousness and glory of Christ. Because our righteousness is found in him alone. As is written in Acts 4.12, For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the reason for our salvation. On verse 22, we see this man. He went away sorrowful. This man was not only blind, towards God and towards himself. But what we find here in verse 22 and what his actions demonstrate to us is that this man is also an idolater. He loves the things of this world more than he loves God himself. He loves money more than he loves Jesus. He can't give away his money. He's an idolater. He cannot trust in Jesus because he trusts in what he has. Now my question for you, my friend, this morning is what about you? What do you trust more in your life? Maybe what brings security to your heart perhaps is your 401k, your retirement, the savings that you have, your family that you trust that can help you in times of need. You see, Jesus is making something very clear to us here this morning. That our trust with our lives, our families, our future, our eternal life must be all in Him. We must trust that even when hard times and trials come to our life, Jesus is going to give a solution. That Jesus is going to provide. Even in the times where we don't have anything, as this man is told to give everything to the poor, Jesus will take care of us. My friend, are you looking to inherit eternal life? Are you looking for a treasure in heaven? Like this man 
You might be asking this morning, what can I do? And the truth is that there is no work that you can do for your salvation. We are only required to trust in Jesus alone for salvation. See, the great comfort that we have as Christians. And we need to be reminded of this all the time. The great comfort that Christ has given to us is that we are not responsible. We don't have the power to save ourselves. That's a great comfort. Can imagine waking up every day and thinking, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that in order to be saved. And then you find out you can never do these things. And you're always suffering, thinking like that. But God, He doesn't give us salvation for us to suffer, thinking like that. He gives us salvation so we can find comfort in Him, who is the Savior of us all, who is the Savior of all who come to Him, trusting Jesus alone to save them. What a great comfort we have that Christ, He saves us and justifies us apart from our works. There's no more great comfort and relief than that. That's what it means to be saved by grace. That is the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are saved by Jesus Christ alone apart from works. You see, cancer is still a concern in our days. We want so much to find the cure. There's so much money invested to find the cure for cancer. And we have progressed in some areas. There's some development in the research about cancer. What makes it grow, how we get it. Nobody's... Is, is sure about that? However, a great concern today is about the medicine that we need for our souls. The medicine, the medicine that we need for the problem of our self-righteousness inclinations. Our heart is always saying, and deceiving ourselves and making us to think that we can achieve self-righteousness. But my prayer this morning is that the Lord will open your eyes. That you would see that the way of eternal life is found not in your own righteousness. But by trusting in Christ alone for salvation. Christian, trust in Him alone for your salvation. Follow Jesus. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Let the grace of Jesus Christ, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, have complete dominion over you. Only that way, you will find peace for your soul. Let us pray now. The Lord, we, our dear Lord, we bless you. Because you are the Savior of our souls. You are the one who has defeated 
our greatest enemy, which is death. You are the one who made us righteous in Christ by giving to us his righteousness and imputing that to us by faith in him alone. Oh, Lord, we pray this morning that you, oh, Lord, would help us through the work of your Holy Spirit to understand once and for all that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. There is nothing that we can do to inherit eternal life. Help us to look at Christ and trust in him alone for our salvation. Reminds us, O oh Lord, every day that we need a Savior. Give us, O oh Lord, the peace and comforts of the Spirit. Help us to grow, O oh Lord, as we endeavor to know more about you and to understand all this beautiful truth that we find in your word. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let, let us praise with the Lord, the Lord of one more song.